You are now listening to the Nick Francis Podcast, Episode 6, produced by Sky Sprout Digital Media. Hello, everybody. This is Nick Francis, and welcome to the Nick Francis Podcast. Today, we have John with us, and John is going to introduce himself, and we're going to jump right into it. Hey, everyone. John Grolo, Thriving Financial. How's everybody doing today? They're doing great. Thanks. <laughs> no. So I admittedly have the hardest time pronouncing your last name, which is why I didn't say it right there, but I'm going to work on it during this hour. Yeah. So what I used to say as a, uh, as a kid, it worked when I was a lot shorter. Now that I'm six feet tall, it doesn't work as much is I grow low. Grow low. That's all it is. It's way easier than I've been making it. Yeah. It's cause it, it's French on the end and everyone gets scared by vowels. Yeah. That's super scary. Grow low. Grow low. Yeah. yeah. That's heard grow, it all. Grow low. Most right. people go with John. Yeah, I did that. <laughs> well, awesome. Um, so why don't you start off by telling us what you do and uh, give us a little brief synopsis on your work history and your life here. All right. So I am a financial planner, financial consultant for Thrivent Financial. Um, and I really do just about anything when it comes to finances and money, everything from supporting people with budgeting, basic spending, uh, retirement insurances, managing money, um, business planning, stock option. I mean, really it just comes down to anything financial. Um, what I really look for and what I really value is financial relationships with people looking to build, looking for that consistent advice looking for ways to optimize what they're already doing well, or if they're not doing it, not having a conversation, begin a conversation for that long-term relationship because those long-term relationships, long-term values are how you have massive effect for people. That's awesome. And what got you interested in doing that? Uh, long story short, I was bouncing from what I felt was job to job. I was in the military for nine years at this point. Um, I was actually in the Ohio National Guard here, didn't really have a full-time job, was doing part-time guard work. I was working part-time contractor for an airline, part-time contractor for a government, and I was just sick and tired of not having a career. Um, gal I was dating at the time was like, you should go into sales. And I'm like, I no. Like, I've, I've flown on planes. I fly planes my whole life. Like, I train. Like, And she's like, well, people seem to like you. You can learn anything and you're outgoing. That's kind of sales. And she's like, your airline has a sales job. I'm like, I don't want that job. Hmm. And I called my sister just kind of telling her, and she's like, oh, you should do what I do. I'm like, I really don't want to do sales. She goes, I don't. I educate people on what's possible for their finances. And she told me a really brief story on she had a friend that uh, ended up doing some planning with them, uh, some disability insurance, some life insurance, some retirement planning uh, with this young couple with kids. And uh, the individual ended up getting cancer and not being able to work anymore. The spouse already didn't work. And then the individual ended up passing away. And the awful thing was losing a friend, losing, you know, a mother to some children. But the beautiful part was financially, they never had to worry. So I heard Mm -hmm. that story. I was like, what you do really changes lives, really has a huge impact and really supports people. I could do something like that. That's awesome. Yeah, it was. uh, So I found out um, about a month ago, I entered my fifth year and I've loved every single one. That's awesome. That's super cool that there's like a really nice why behind what you do and and you're truly, you know, setting people up for their future so they have nothing to worry about. You're not trying to 
like what your why isn't you make people an extra one or two percent it's like helping you know spouses be feel comfortable if they're you know if the worst happens or something like that so that's really nice so cool awesome thanks i've always said uh my my big thing is like what if when something happens you can just worry about the event and not worry about money yeah that's my entire goal my entire why you lose a loved one you lose your job you know you you're forced to retire early you know what's going to happen, whether positive or negative, so you know what you get to respond with. Um, you know, it's not that whole, oh crap, what do we do now? I have no clue where to begin. It's, well, we've talked about it. We've got a plan for it. So plan might not be amazing because of where we could put ourselves at this point, but we know at least. So we're just gonna deal with the tragedy, whatever's going on, Yeah, and we're just gonna move on and do our best. Yeah, that's awesome. It's a really like powerful way you can help people in a way that not everybody really thinks about. You don't think about those things until they happen, unfortunately. So try yeah. to like not try to like make them not real. <laughs> yeah, and that's actually what quite often becomes the hardest part of my job is I say, "Hey, what if this? Well, that'll never happen to me. I really hope it doesn't. <laughs> I really hope it doesn't. And statistically, it might not. Right. But if it does, mm-hmm. then what?" You know, and that's where people are like, well, yeah, holy crap. It's like pre-planning a funeral or something like that. Like, you don't want to do it. You don't want to think about it. But when you understand, like, how much burden that's going to take off your family in that horrible, like, when it's already that stressful and, like, horrible, like, being able to, like, be present in that moment versus, like, trying to come up with the money or decide what they want or, or something is, that's got to be hugely helpful for them. Oh, it's it's massive. I uh, I had one where uh, there was an accident. Someone passed away. Mm-hmm. I showed up to the house that day. They called me that morning. Um, the entire family was there, and the spouse was not the higher earning spouse. And the family's like, "What's she gonna do? What's gonna happen?" I'm like, "Everything will be fine financially." How can you How can you say that? Because we did the plan. Yeah, we know the insurance is in place. Everything will be okay. Worst case scenario, everything will be fine. Best case scenario, financially, everything will be amazing. So just grieve. Yeah. Take your time. Do whatever you need to do when you're ready to sit down and start working on what we need to do next and support you through this process. We're here. Yeah. And it just, it gave the whole family, you could see the whole family like, okay. Yeah. Cool. Like it just, it's very, very powerful. Cool. What, so you work with, you know, tons and tons of, of clients. You have like a very, very large client base. Talk about kind of how you develop that following of, of or, you know, those, those clients and, uh, you know, any advice for somebody that's in a similar sales type position? Yeah. So I initially started, um, you know, the first thing they talk about, oh, what's your natural market? Who are you going to call when you get hired? Mm-hmm. And I put together a list of about 100, 200 people. Um, but it really wasn't the best list. It was just names. You know, some of them were absolutely people I could call. Some of them weren't, um, but what I found out is I just started having authentic conversations with people I met, started talking about and educating on what I was doing. I also inherited a group of uh, underserved members in the area. Just mm. uh, my company hadn't had a representative in the area for a long time, and I started reaching out to them. And the way I grew my client base uh, just to be so amazing was always following up with what I say I did. Because it took a long time for some people to come around. It took a year or two years. But the key was I always said, hey, 
I understand you're not ready right now. How about I call you back in a month? How about I call you back in six months? How about we sit back down in six months? I'll be back next year. And then I showed up Then I did what I said I did. And they kind of did this whole, like, I even, I walked in the clients, like, I didn't expect to see you back here. I'm like, I said I would. Yeah. Right. So does everyone else. Mm. No one comes back. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm not everybody else. Let's talk. And just having real conversations, education on what you can do with your finances, I found was very powerful. Not selling anything, but selling the information. I'm going to provide you information. I'm going to provide you an education on everything that's possible. Yeah. And then you choose what you want to do. I will educate you on your options as well to achieve your goals because it's about you. It's not about me. Um, and then as I started to build more and more loyal members, um, and I call clients members cause I'm a member organization, the company I work for. Sure. Um, but what ended up happening was I started saying, Hey, who could you introduce me to? Yep. Who could use this? And because I provided value and I knew I'd provided value cause I finished almost every meeting with, did you find value today? Yeah. And I'm still waiting for the no, <laughs> you know, I, I'm waiting for it to happen. Cause that, that'll be a huge learning point for me. Yeah. I'm very excited for it, but I haven't had it happen yet. So I knew I provided value and I just started saying, and I, um, who, who could I meet? And I started hosting events saying, Hey, it's awkward sometimes to say, Hey, you should go talk to my financial advisor. Yeah. But it's not awkward to say, Hey, my advisor invited us to a soccer game invited us to this educational event, invited us to this fun event. I'm going to go have fun, paint, and eat dinner. Why am I here? Oh, it's my advisor. Your advisor's inviting you to this? Yeah, you meet him. Oh, it's that guy. I talked to him for 20 minutes. He seems real cool. Well, he supports me with all my money decisions. Yeah. Maybe he can support you too. You found out, you know, he's not a robot. He's human. You know, you two got along. Yeah. So why not give it a shot? And so by doing that, um, you know, I would say my number one client acquisition, member acquisition, is referral events, asking for referrals, um, and just making sure the information is out there. Because I think as all of us in sales, marketing, everything know, the warmer the lead, the more likely they are to do business with you. Yeah. So that got super powerful for me, and it continues to carry me today. And when I'm not focused on referrals, business can lag. And when I focus back on referrals, business picks right back up. Yeah. That's interesting. I want to go back to what you're saying about the follow-up, it being a one to two year at some times period of uh, customer acquisition. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've had a couple really nice big accounts come in lately and people are, uh, you know, I'll tell a friend about it and humble brag or get excited and share it with them. Like, wow, like that's, that's awesome. Like that, that quick, you've only been in the new space for a couple months. I'm like, no, this was eight months. Yeah. Like, and that to me didn't even feel like, you know, I'm prepared for long, long term. Like I've got people on the radar for like the 24 months out when we're ready for it. Um, so talk, you know, a little bit more about, I don't know if it's just patience or if it's just people understanding that your first meeting with somebody and being prepared to say, this is going to take six, 12 and 24 months like that, you know, consistency and that patience, like how has that actually served you? Cause I think it's it's everything like right now with sales for me. Oh, I, I completely agree with you. Um, 
you know, it's there's that standard statistic out there. Take seven touches to sell mm-hmm. something. Um, you know, I I love to think and say I'm not in sales, but I am. I'm selling 100%. products. I'm selling advice, and I have no problem with it. But I open from a uh, stance of education, and what happens is through that consistent education, through the exactly what you said, taking the time to show you care about someone, yeah. to show you have their best interests at mind, to show you're going to do what you said you do. I'm sore through those eight months for clients. There was some banter back and forth and they saw that you'll follow up. Yeah. They sure saw that you'll respond. They saw that you'll adapt to meet their specific needs. You're not a cookie cutter. Yeah. You're not saying here's my one size fits all program, insert you here. That absolutely works in some situations, but for the more unique clients, the bigger clients, the stronger relationship clients, typically that doesn't work and it takes time. And what I told everyone, um, I'll never forget my managing partner, Steve. Uh, I forget how long I was into this. I actually really struggled my first year because mm-hmm. I wasn't churning and burning and flipping and you know doing whatever it took to sell. I was building relationships. Um, but because I was building a relationship, some came faster than others, but Steve asked me, he goes, how's it going? And I said, I love what I do so much. If I have to eat peanut butter and jelly, um, and live in a cardboard box, I'll never leave this job. Yeah. And he kind of laughed cause he's like, well, that's never going to happen the way you are. But it, it was the commitment I had to the long game for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be here. I'm going to do what I say I'll do. And I've had instances where I've made mistakes I haven't followed up and, you know, maybe initially I tried to cover it up. I was like, oh my gosh, they can't know that I messed up. But what I now do and what I found is I made a mistake. It didn't cost anyone anything. There was no error that nothing happened. You know, it wasn't a financial thing, but it was, I was supposed to call a month ago and I didn't. Mm -hmm. I apologize. I'm calling you now. Is it too late? Do we want to continue talking? Nine times out of a, you know, 99 out of 100, not 9 out of 10, you know, even more than that. They're like, oh, yeah, great, perfect. Um, let's keep going. Let's keep moving forward. And it was it was just that follow-up that, um, oh, what is it? You know what it is. Um, you have to show people you have to show people how much you care before they care about how much you know. Yeah. Um, and for me, it was that long-term showing up, adjusting, accommodating, you know, really taking care of people and showing them I'm not going anywhere because that's another thing in this industry. You know, oh, financial services, you're in for a year, you're out. Mm. Um, Standard retention rates in our industry is very, very low. If three years or three months, I forget how many people don't make it. Six months, so many people don't make it. I think it's like three in 10 make it beyond a year or something like that. Why is that, do you think? Um... I think it's because of the the commitment required to the long game. And when you start, sometimes it's a slow start. Sure. Um, my first year was a massive struggle. Mm-hmm. There were many months where I didn't have a paycheck because it's based on fees and commissions. You don't sell anything. You don't collect any fees. You don't have any income. Yeah. Um, I was lucky enough to be able to supplement with the guard. I worked very, very hard, probably over 70 hours a week. Wow. Um, But then what happened is building those relationships built and built and built where, you know, then it started coming in regularly, filling up your pipeline, taking care of things. Um, 
That's awesome. So, and you know, those relationships still serve me today. You know, the ones I started five years ago, I'm still going back regularly, still following up regularly. And you know, it's, uh, it's really kind of cool when you get like a customer comment cards Mm -hmm. and you know, you see your scores, you see where you're at, you see what they're saying about you. And it's kind of a huge source of pride. Sure. hundred percent. I love what you're saying about, you know, just, you know, showing people that you're going to be there like a year from now and showing that you're, you're sticking around, you know, I had a, uh, we did a trade show three years ago and then we did one the year after and the turnover from like, I don't know what you call it or the drop off from people that mm-hmm. didn't like renew their booth and, and do it was just so high that it became very much a common practice, which I didn't realize where buyers would look at somebody they liked, cool, and then wait for them to be there next year. And if they weren't there next year, they knew they made the right decision. And if they were, they did business with them if they were, but no matter how much they wanted to do business, like they waited for them to see if they could stick around for another year. And I had two clients specifically that came up to me and they're like, you guys are back, cool. I was just making sure, like I wanted to see that you guys could, we're gonna be here for a year and not just drop off. And uh, like that was all they were waiting for. They'd already made the decision that what we did was valuable and they wanted to do it, but they wanted to wait uh, to see. I'm like, that's super cool. So when people start their business and they get discouraged a couple months in or or even a year in, I tell people like, most of your friends probably don't even fully understand what you do for like a year or two, like your your prospects and everything. I'm like, give them some time, like be patient, push and, and be aggressive and like, you know, make that, you know, get the sales done, like do like yep. keep pushing, but, and the same breath, big picture, being patient with people and being understanding that like you want this to get done right now. It's not everybody else's top priority. You can only you can only make it the priority so much before they completely write you off and stop bugging me, you know? And I think I think you're hitting on a huge point. It's so there's really two types of clients out there, I feel, in all services. They're the ones looking for the transaction. They need something, they want it now, they're just gonna get it. And then there's the ones looking for the long-term relationship Mm -hmm. for, you know, I want you for my everything. I want to do more with you. Or maybe they're just looking for more. And like you were saying in your industry, like you're going to push and get the people through that you can. But, you know, and I think this is why so many people leave financial services. You've only got so many of those. If you're not following up with those long-term relationships, creating those long-term relationships, that's what's going to feed you through the years. And I think one of the struggles a lot of people find in starting any business is, you know, you started by yourself, I started by myself, the amount of work to handle all the clients you're attempting to handle, to um, massage and create all the relationships you're trying to massage, and to create the plan for the future is a lot of work. Would you agree? Yeah. It's everything. It's but absurd where do you have to get before you can hire someone? Right. And so once you hire someone, once you get to that sustainable point, I'll never forget when I hired Jane, you know, the running joke is she saved my life, but she might've actually, Mm -hmm. um, my friend, he was calling me, calling me, calling me. I wasn't answering, wasn't answering, wasn't answering. Finally, he gets a message. He goes, call me today. I'm calling the police to do a well check. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Cause I was, I was so busy and I was neglecting so much of my life. 
which, you know, that's not a good thing. I'm not saying sure. do that. Um, but that's how I decided. I decided I want to build a five, five year business in two years. Um, and I built probably a 10 or 15 year business in two years. Nice. Um, but like, those are the sacrifices I made where the second I thought I could financially handle it, I hired part-time. Yep. And then I hired more part-time and then I built my part-time up and then I went full-time and then I picked up another full-time because what I realized is now that I'm there, I don't want to keep killing myself. Right. And then my capacity grows as I grow my staff too. My quality of service grows, which is actually what's more important to me. Yeah. I want all of my members to have an A plus experience. Sure. And so by having Jane, by having Clay, by having myself, that's now three of us. Mm -hmm. And the three of us can work together to provide that A plus experience. And we can build more because we're doing it. And we become more referable because we're doing it. Yeah. So it, it just creates a massive win-win opportunity. Yeah. The, um, that hiring like area where you're like, just, you have enough work that you're like dying, but then you're not enough to afford to hire somebody is becoming really interesting because that was, you know, for a while that was where I was at. And then we hired some staff and it was awesome. And then you realize it's constant because as soon as you get enough clients, you got to keep and in finding that balance of like your pain tolerance for work you can put on your plate after the first one or two employees, the place I'm at is I don't need to make like money, like as much off of the additional, right? Because if you can make enough to survive and keep doing it, like I'm more interested in like you can grow it and you can always optimize and increase your margins on the road. I'm more interested in, you know, being able to devote a hundred percent to what you're actually good at, which is what, you know, which is for you is like sales and the actual like help hands on with the customer and all the busy work as much of that as you can get off your plate as possible, because it provides you more time with, with the customer. Yep. It's just a cool balance of deciding. And some people, they don't want to hire anybody and they want to work 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week, take all the money. And that's totally fine too. But then if you want to go past that, you got to decide, okay, I need to build a business, not a consulting agency or not a one-on-one -on -one agency and, or of any, really anything you're doing, you know, a, you know, a one person shop, you just make that decision. And it's just different for everybody. Some people are fine with just doing it themselves. Yeah. And for me, a lot of times when I'm talking with prospective business owners, people looking to build and grow, you know, I sit there and I say, is this a business or is it a hobby? Mm-hmm because the two were treated totally different. Yeah. You know, a lot of people have, you know, side businesses they do and they're like, oh, it's a business. I'm like, where's your profits? Well, I don't have any. Yeah. Businesses eventually should be making profit. Mm -hmm. And like, well, I'm not worried about profits. I'm like, cool, then it's a hobby. Yeah. You know, and yeah, there is a fine line. You can't argue either way. But, you know, at a certain point, if you're not making money in business, you stop doing the business. Yeah where hobbies you're willing to spend money on. And sometimes your side jobs are seeing things you're doing for the benefits, you know, like maybe the essential oils people are doing it because they get access to cheaper oils. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but maybe they're also doing it because they can build a massive team and generate some serious revenue. Sure. Just choose and own whichever you're doing. Right. And what That's you were talking one. about was awesome. I got to this point and I couldn't handle any more. And what happens is you'll start to drop and it's called the sigmoid curve. You and I talked about this a little 
uh, a couple weeks ago. So you hire someone and then that big dip because you're running out of energy doesn't happen. Yep. It's a little dip because you got to pay someone new, but then you can climb and grow again. And it's really just the next step for you. Yeah. It's super, I, I've for like a little period of my time or my life with this specific type of business, I was thinking that there was going to be this, um, I thought what I wanted was like, I, I had a number in my head. Like I was getting asked a lot by like friends and everybody, like what my number was. And I was like, um, I guess this. And it was like a two month period where I'm like, I don't have a number. Like my goal is to build a business mm -hmm. and that's just what I enjoy doing. And I can't tell you the last time besides like the number I know that I have to make to pay my, my actual bills, the last like four or five months, I haven't even thought about like making money to like buy cool stuff. I'm like, buy stuff for the business. Like I like investing in nerdy stuff. Yeah. And like, I've kind of rebuilt that passion for like tech gear and like building this business. And just, I'm just like, we're building a company, whatever we're making, let's build it, build it, build it. I'm worried about 20, you know, years down the road when you can grow, like have something massive, but it's perfectly okay. I think for people to have a one person thing, that's more than a hobby. Oh yeah. And, uh, it just becomes a little tricky because uh, those businesses, it's hard to provide the A plus service because you got to go on vacation mm -hmm. and to survive, so to like maintain sanity and yeah. like, you've got to get sick, like yep. it's going to happen. And so it's just dangerous in some instances for companies to rely on you because if you don't have a team behind you, whatever that looks like, it can look different for everybody, whether it's subcontracting when you're on vacation or having like a friend of yours take over the phones when you're gone, whatever. But having no plan and saying that, you know, you're a web developer, or you're a, any, any person that's like a freelance. Right. You're person. a one-stop shop. It's tricky. What happens when the one stop isn't there? Yeah. You know, and like you said, vacation, sickness, illness, who can't, like, who knows? Yeah. You could be gone for mom and dad, you know, something happened. Got to go home. Like for me, my parents are in Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. I pick up town, got to go in Rhode Island on a split second notice. I've got two more people actually have more than that that can answer my phone for me. Yep. Like, because there's sometimes I'm not going to answer my phone. Yeah. And the coolest thing also has been making that clear to people. Yeah. And they're like, why would you answer your phone all the time? Um, yeah. But also, I love what you said about going back to, I love how you're realizing it's not about the number. Like I'm in financial services right. and it's hilarious because so often it's not about the number. It's not about the rate of return because anyone can get you return. It's not about the dollar number. It's about what's enough. What's your goal? Mm -hmm. My favorite question is what's the purpose, right? You know, what's the purpose of this asset? What's the purpose of what you're doing? What's the purpose of what you're building? And if your purpose aligns with what you're doing, the numbers only matter so much. Like you said, I know what I've got to make to cover costs. Mm -hmm. I'm exceeding that. Yep. So you have the freedom to step in and really just focus on purpose and growth and what you're passionate about. Yeah. You don't have to worry about what's behind you, what's going on you know, the back office and all that stuff. You just get to work towards your hopes and goals and dreams. And what I found for people is when you're doing that, it's 10 times more enjoyable than whether they're a thousandaire or a millionaire and they're going, what am I doing with money? What's happening? Where is it going? What am I doing? Oh my gosh, what's next? How's this happening? What? They're a wreck versus they go, no matter how much it is, they go, 
it's okay. Hmm. I know what's happening. I'm good with it. Just going to keep going on with my goals, my hopes, my dreams, and my purpose. Yeah. That's as I've, as you're saying that it reminds me of something I've been talking to, um, a lot of more startupy, like probably just friends of mine and, and people that want to get into marketing. And from where I stand, they're talking about, you know, a marketing, creating a marketing plan and an advertising budget to, to do like the big, big, big picture, but the bills aren't covered yet. And so the advice I've been giving everybody is, you know, you make different decisions and you have different thought processes when you're worrying about rent and when you're worrying about everything mm-hmm. and, and your prices are different, your confidence is different. And like, we've all been there. It's like, uh, I know this, I should charge 200 for this, but like I'll charge 50 cause like I need like gas money or like yep. something. It's on a bigger scale when you're doing a business, those, those thoughts still run through your head is, do I want to come down in price? Well, you know what? It's that, or we don't get to do X. So yeah, like I'll come down in price. So what I've been telling everybody has been to get to a point when what, like just hustle, guerrilla market, whatever you got to do, get your, your practice to the point where you can get all of your bills paid and start putting aside a marketing budget. And then talk about like the next step, because you can't, really focus on the grand vision and building the company and the business until kind of those just really needs are met. Mm-hmm. Um, none of that gets done quickly. And so starting on marketing campaign to like pay your rent or like to get those bills paid. Cause you just quit your job is I'm like, Oh, like right. try and get your head above water while you're still in your job and then quit your job and have your bills paid. You can do both. It sucks, but you can do both 100%. It, it doesn't have to suck. That's the coolest thing. What, what you're saying is actual work I'm currently doing. Okay. I have people that are trying to turn their businesses into their lives. Like, mm. this is the only thing I want. I'm leaving my nine to five. I'm getting yeah. control. But the problem is quite often we're not in relationship with our finances. We don't know how much it costs to live. We don't know how much things cost. Great. Leave your nine to five. You're losing your medical. You're losing your disability. Mm -hmm. You're losing your life insurance. You're losing your retirement account. Hmm. How much do you think those four things could cost? Right. I, I know people that are paying $700 a month for private medical. I know people that are paying $100 a month for private medical. Yeah. And so it's... It's you're absolutely correct, but like it doesn't have to be painful because what happens so often is we analyze what people are doing, how much they're spending, what their fixed requireds are. And the funniest thing that happens all the time is I go, you have to have Netflix. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I don't. Right. If you want to start your business and you drop all that nice to have, you can start your business sooner. Or, you know, oh, I have to eat. You're absolutely right. You have yeah. to eat. I notice here on this statement, you spent $78 at the tap room. Yeah. You're single. <laughs> Cost $78 for a meal. Yeah. Well, and I'm like, I don't, like, it doesn't matter to me. It's not a judgment. No it's judgment. Just, yeah. Nothing. Fact. Yeah. $78 on one restaurant, one sitting. You want to start a business. How much money do you want to have to earn 
before you can go out and create that dream. But I think it's it's even if if the answer is if you're like okay here are the the, the wants in your life the yep. Netflix the Hulu the HBO the yep. whatever the heck people buy spend dumb money on and then it's okay the math works out that you can start this dream job but you got to give all that for a while just the once most people won't do right and if that means you got to eat in four times a week or five times instead of eating out a week, if you like lay that out to people, it's like, well, here's what it's going to be. You have to stop these things in order to do that. If the answer isn't yes, 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 then you shouldn't do it. Like if you're not that passionate that you can give up all the extra stuff, like you should be way more excited about the possibility of doing this. And, and then you have to give everything else up. Like, it's not forever. It's not even for really that long normally if you're good. Like, it's not that big a deal. Yep. But if you would rather have those things, it's totally okay. Enjoy them, do them, but then understand that that is more important to you than this business you're thinking about. And that that's oh, totally okay. Everybody in this world doesn't have to be a freaking entrepreneur. Like, Or it takes you longer to get started or who knows, you mm-hmm. know? And here's one of the funny things, like, so I talk about needs, wants, desires, mm. you know, and you categorize everything. I don't categorize anything for you. I'm not here to tell you yeah. how to live your life. But what's fascinating is so often, like I'm working with people now and I'm just saying, pay attention to your finances. Just pay attention to how you spend money. Yeah. Log it, track it, know what you're doing. And so I'm working with people and they're tracking it and all of a sudden they're like, I have so much more money. Hmm. And I'm like, how that happened? They're like, I have no clue. Yeah. I'm like, you got in a relationship with your spending is what happened. You went to McDonald's and instead of getting, getting a number one, you know, super size, whatever, you ordered uh, whatever three things off the dollar menu. So you went from spending $10 on lunch to $3 plus tax. You're just as full. You're just as satisfied. You're not noticing a single change in your lifestyle. Right. But all of a sudden, you have all this surplus cash. Um, I had a guy, uh, we were talking, we were just having a call. And he's like, man, I'm, I got behind. I went to a bachelor party, blew a bunch of money. I'm like, cool. How much you blow? Oh, like 300 bucks. Okay. So, well, I'm way behind now. I'm like, are you? Mm. Because you've been having really healthy spending habits the whole rest of the month. Yeah. You had a cheat day. You're way far behind. Cause in your previous life, you would have cheated every day. Yeah. And then binged and then you'd be behind. Right. But now, because that's like, it's not even a setback cause you got so far ahead. You know, I have people that go from barely being able to pay their bills to paying off thousands of dollars of debt in months just because their relationship and their habits with their finances. So if you think to create your dreams, to get to your dreams, to get to your goals, you have to give up stuff. It's absolutely not true. You, you have just to have to patient. get in relationship with what you're doing. Yeah. Just patience then. If yep. you want to do it in six months, then you do, you drop everything and you go for it. But if you're, I just want to get there at some point in my lifetime, at some point in my lifetime, I want to have X or do X. And you just set up a plan and just be patient with it. But what you're saying with like being in a relationship with like your finance feels like the same thing with kind of the concept of why mostly every diet makes you feel better. Yep. 
It's because it's not, it's not that like stopping eating bread makes every person feel better. It's that then you're actually like consciously making decisions because so much of what we do in life is just skating by and like spending money on this or eating this or missing a workout or like having the same job for the last five years, even though you go into work every day and you hate it, like you're just not making and taking like a control of anything. And so when you take an active approach to literally anything, mm-hmm. the result is better. I mean, obviously money is like the f- money and health are the easiest right. ones, but like anytime, even when you're asked to like do like a food diary, when you start a diet or start a program, and then that first week it's like way better than normal. And you're like, but you didn't even do it on purpose. You're just like, right. shit, now that I have to think about what I have to eat. Okay. Maybe, yeah, I shouldn't like you take responsibility mm-hmm. for what you're doing you get intentional about yeah. being better. And it's amazing how quickly that can happen. But typically what we find is for the first six months to year, it's really supportive to have accountability. It's really supportive oh, yeah. to tell someone, this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm going. This is how it's going. Because what I find so often is people go, yeah, I don't have it. And then all of a sudden, like they start sending me their stuff and I'm like, you've got great spending habits. And like, I know, cause you're looking at them and I'm like, really? And they're like, that's all it took you looking at them. I now say what I want John to see me spend $500 on a pair of shoes. Yeah. And like, they all acknowledge, like, I don't judge them. I'm like, fact, this is how much money you spent on food. Fact. This is how much money you spent on travel, you know? And they're like, Oh, and that's all it is. Yeah. It's uh it's really empowering and freeing for me too because it takes me into a model where it's advice. It's advisory. It's just it's all like education and information. Like I know you and I talked a long time ago about ads and marketing mm-hmm. and how there can be a lot of stigma and stuff around them, but also you can use it to your favor. Mm-hmm. Um and that's really what I find and I think in er- any area of your life responsibility and intention will take you where you want to be. Yeah. That's huge. You said it way more eloquently than me with like the intention, but like, that's, that's really what it is. I think when people are even starting a business, not having an intention and it's like a hobby and they're having fun with it. And they're like, one day it's going to get to this. I'm like, when, right? Well, I don't know when, okay, well have a goal. Like I know when I want to get this company to in X amount of time, if it doesn't happen, like, it's okay, but I have like a, like right. I know what I, where I want to be. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have any, like not having like a vision or a goal is so like, it's people don't understand. Like it's, it sounds so like silly and like woo woo of like my vision is this, but it's not necessarily that it's the lack of vision mm-hmm. and the fact that like you have no idea where your company's going to be, how you're going to get there, what you want it to be mm-hmm. like a simple, like silly vision board is like so dang underrated. And it can be anything. And the beautiful part is like in my business, I totally changed my vision about six months ago, Mm -hmm. totally reconfigured what I'm doing. And it's been so empowering, but like I took a successful business, altered my vision and I still have a successful business. Right. Had a vision, have a vision, will have a vision versus I talk to entrepreneurs all the time. And I'm like, what's your vision? Who's your ideal client? I don't know. What are you doing? Yeah. Oh, well, this is what I'm doing, doing, doing. Great. What's your vision? Who's your ideal client? I don't know. If you don't know some very specific things. Yeah. Why are you going to wake up in the morning? Where are you going to go? What's going to keep you getting out of bed on your worst days? Mm Mm-hmm. 
that vision, that goal, knowing where you have the potential to go, you know, and I, like you said, you might not get there every time. It's fine. Renegotiate, get back up, go for it again. I think that's what most entrepreneurs lack. And then the other thing is, you know, you get a lot of individuals, you know, and it, it's in a book. I mean, it's a phenomenal book. I recommend it to everyone, but you know, you're an amazing marketer. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal. You do a great job. We've talked about it. We talked about what you do. You also are a great business owner. Mm -hmm. So that gives you both segments to own the business and be the marketer. Some people are just the phenomenal marketer and they don't have the business acumen to run the business and people get to recognize that as well. You know, um, the book, uh, the E-Myth Revisited, mm -hmm. phenomenal book, uh, recommend it to any entrepreneur. Um, it talks about cupcakes. Lady makes an awesome cupcake. Mm -hmm. But she realized purchasing ovens, running the bakery, like all that doesn't work for her. Right. So, you know, and that's, I think, you know, one of the jokes I was talked about is I was talking with leadership and talking with new people. They were wondering, what's my success? And I, I would tell the joke, you know, I'm bipolar. I'm two people. I'm a business owner and a financial representative. And me as a financial representative works for my business owner. My business owner tells my financial representative how much he needs to work and what he needs to do. Hmm. And my financial representative goes out and gets it done. And then my financial representative supports my business owner. Hmm. So it was- That's super cool. It took the hat off. Like, okay, today for you, today I'm not marketing. I get to hire people. Yeah. I get to lease space. I get to, you know, whatever it is as a business owner, you don't necessarily, like you might use your marketing skills, but as a business owner, you get to use financial skills, you yeah. get to, you know, all that stuff. So it's, I think it's even maybe less about your skill set. It's more about your, like your passion for it. Mm -hmm. So like, I just like running businesses, like ran tons of unsuccessful businesses and loved every bit of it and ran a couple successful ones and loved them just as much didn't particularly matter. I just love the concept and the challenge um, of it. Now, along the way, I've loved the actual type of business and vertical that we've been in. Um, and marketing has kind of been the core foundation on how any of those have worked. And so this has just been marketing is more my strong suit. Mm -hmm. And the entrepreneur side of actually running the business is like more of the passion. So it's kind of been the ability to to merge the two. Um, but that makes a heck of a lot of sense. And it's it's totally true to have to take that hat off and be like, okay, working. It's it, I guess it's just as simple as like working in the business and on the business. Yeah. And, and when you're when you're skilled at working in the business and you're skilled at working on the business, it leads to some pretty awesome results. So. Oh yeah, I mean it's. It's what gave you the site to go, I've got X clients. Mm -hmm. I want to have Y clients, but wait a second. My marketer says I can do it all, but then I have no life. I'm not going anywhere. I can't build anymore. My business owner says X clients pays me, pays my space, pays my utilities. Now, every two clients I pick up, I can hire somebody. Sure. I don't have to work anymore. And this goes to what you were saying earlier. I just get to work out the margins. So my employment gets to be covered. My employees get to be covered. The cost gets to be covered. And, you know, great if I make some profit over that part of the business. If I don't, I've still got profit on this side of the business. I can build them together. I can work them together. That's business ownership. Mm -hmm. That's not 
you know, massively skilled marketer. Right. It just takes both for whatever. I mean, most, for most people, it takes both or that's why all the big tech companies now there's the tech founder and then they hire a CEO. And when mm -hmm. the tech founder tries to do both is normally when you see it fail, you know, or, or vice versa, you know, you have a really skilled business person that tries to do create a, an app, but they do it super cheap and they don't hire the right talent or invest in the right talent or understand the value in hiring the tech partner and giving them 50 percent like yep it's with it's with most businesses is understanding what you where your strong suit is and that's huge and i think you just hit on another part of like where to create success and how to create success and financial services one of the things we talk about all the time is working with colleagues go out and work with colleagues and what new people constantly run around and do is they say well then i've got to pay the person like i've got to give them something what I've do you got, mean so you know so I'm working on a big case and, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing. And then you work, you know, same company. And I say, hey, I could really some, use some port. Come on. So you come with me. We work on it together. It was originally my case. Well, now I've got to pay you for working on it with me. So yeah. I've got to split some of the money I'll make off of the business and hand it over to you. And that makes a lot of people hesitant to go out and get that support. You know, like you're saying, you get a tech guy, he hires a CEO. He gets that he's going to pay that CEO. You know, you say, oh, I've got to hire a secretary. I'm going to pay that secretary in my world. I've got to pay that other consultant, that other financial professional. But because I bring in that additional support, because I have that team, that opens me up for earning more because I have more expertise. I have different expertise. Maybe they see something I don't. Maybe they're a specialist. I'm about to become a college planner. I'm super excited. Nice. I get to walk into people and go, hi, I'm a college planner. Can I add value to your practice? And they're like, oh my gosh, come yeah. on in, work with my members, do college planning. And that's all you have to do. And then you, they've enhanced their relationship with their member, their customer, their client. Yeah. They have a win. I have a win because I provided additional value to the client. I made money. They made money. Everybody's winning. You go out, you hire a CEO because you're a tech guy. That CEO is going to build your company, make it more efficient, do whatever it is. You're going to have the awesome tech skills to handle everything. Win-win. CEO is going to make you more money. You're going to focus on what you're great at. You're going to make more money. Yeah, you've got to pay him, right. but you've got to look at that long game. We keep talking about it. Yeah. I think it's it's super black and white for some businesses. Like, you know, the cost of another employee, you know, what, mm -hmm. how many uh, clients they can handle. Um, it's pretty black and white in a lot of businesses. It's when it becomes like that gray area of what is the value that CEO is going to bring, or what is that value of bringing on a business partner? Yep. You know, most people bring on business partners, um, cause it, it seems to make sense or, or because they, they just hear that's what you're supposed to do or whatever the reason is. Um, and never really, really, really think through, um, whether or not it's the right decision. Um, so, and now we're going back to our vision. Mm -hmm. What's our why for doing what we do? Right. Because your why should be driving who you hire, how you hire and who you're looking for. Right. I was looking for better customer support. I was looking to get rid of some sides of business. I don't choose to do. That's why I hired Jane. Yeah. She runs my calendar. She sets my appointments. She handles a lot of my administrative and service work. It's yeah. amazing. It's stuff that I don't want to do. 
she she's amazing at it and that's my why for hiring her you can't i can't go wrong because i know my purpose for hiring her if you're developing an app you're probably not going to hire a ceo mm-hmm. but maybe you hire a marketer i, I don't know you yeah. know whatever it is you're looking for usually like a business co-founder or something like that has a business side but yeah so i think I think with with anything, it, it's it's obviously dependent on the business. But when you're going back to the, to the why of what you're trying to do, when people don't have that clear vision for what they want to do with their business, which is like so ridiculously common, it's 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 funny right. and and it's totally okay to not know how big it's going to be or mm-hmm. like nobody can foresee it. You're not you're not trying to get somebody to to predict where their business is going to be. It's what's important to you. Okay, you want to run a marketing company. And what's the goal? Well, I want to make a half a million dollars a year so that me and my family can go on vacations one day. And that's what I want to do and do it with the least amount of staff. Then build a business model around that. If it's, I want to build the biggest marketing company I possibly can so that it can be worth a hundred million dollars one day and I can sell it for, you know, 300 million and I can buy a yacht. Well, that's a little bit different. (laughs) But I also push you to take it further. I push you to take it further and, you know, not you, but everyone out there mm-hmm. to say the why is not, I want to make X money. What's your why for what you want to sure. deliver? There's a company out there. They put out a commercial. They don't mention their product. They don't advertise their product. They show an experience. That's all they do. Yeah. It's a video of someone with an experience in, you know, movement and sound and everything. And then at the end of the commercial, it's bam, product over. Yeah. The products delivering that experience. So to that marketer, I would say, what do you want to do for your clients? I want to build a business that grows my clients' businesses by 50%, by 100% through digital marketing, digital online space. And once you have that why, that will support you in designing how you're pricing, what you're doing, and you can go to what you want to make. Right. But if it just, I want to make half a million dollars, well, what are you going to deliver for that? Mm-hmm. What are you going to create for that? What's your value you're bringing to the table for that customer? Mm. 100%. It makes sense. Yeah. It's a why and it's like they're they're two different things then. It's yeah. like the 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 why behind why you do what you do is one thing and then that helps you create the vision, which is here's what I want to see this company be. Mm-hmm. And that's just based upon your goals. I think it's know? even a Ted talk and I think it's called, what's your why? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't remember exactly what it is, but like, you know, that's another Simon thing. Simon Sinek or that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And I fully believe that any professional, any pro- entrepreneur, anyone looking to go out and be big, make a difference, professional education. And like, maybe it's not professional education, but educate yourself. Listen to the podcast, listen to, you know, the Ted talks that are relatable to you. Listen to the eBooks, read the books, do your research, do your work. Um, they don't write all these books, put all this motivational stuff out there for no reason. Yeah. They put it out there cause they're sharing ideas that work. And that's the other thing I would say to most new entrepreneurs, you can reinvent the wheel. You can invent the wheel. Mm-hmm. But the wheel's a really good design. So maybe just utilize the wheel in your business how you need to. Sure. And then step out and create the next thing. You know, there's processes that work. You don't need to start from the ground up. There's probably a foundation, someone doing a model similar to yours. 
absolutely true innovators out there that are coming out with stuff totally different, mm -hmm. but their marketing's probably similar to others. Their yeah. you know, all their bases are probably fairly similar, right? But it's their why that's totally different. Yeah, I think the the actual um, thing that I've been thinking about a lot and trying to understand how to properly like talk about it is that as I, as I was kind of talking about the people that are trying to, you know, go this million dollar change the world idea is great. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with it, but I also feel like then that it leads so many entrepreneurs or, or people that want to get on a, into entrepreneurship. It's this, it's either I make a million dollars or I stay at the job I'm at. It's either like I keep doing what I'm doing and I don't, and, and the only way to start a business is to do this, you know, billion dollar app idea. And then I can quit my job. And it's, it's so, it's such a common thing that I keep hearing. It's like, man, if I could only invent the next Facebook, then I could quit my job. And, uh, I've addressed it a couple of times in this, in the podcast because like, I, I don't get it. Like how much are you making now? 50 grand. Why do you feel like you need to make a million dollars or the comment? It's like, if once I win the lottery, then I can tell my boss to shove it and like walk right. out of here. I'm like, so you need to make $500 million to quit your job or you make 50 grand and like, like right. what you just need to make 50 grand if that's what you're making actually make <laughs> quite often they don't even need to make that because if yeah. they're willing to make sacrifices and go because right. here's what i've learned like True. this is what i learned in this job um i didn't work for about uh didn't do a lot of work for about a month recently uh had a concussion kind of hilarious story mm -hmm. um but then i went into work and i was just knocking out stuff and i was sitting down and really for the first time getting fully back into it i was like oh my gosh I love what I do. Mm -hmm. I'm passionate about what I do. I don't care how much money I make. Yeah. Like that blows people away. I don't care how much. My only requirement is I pay my bills. Yeah. Because I love what I do. And what I find so often is you're right, 50,000 a year. Great. You have something else you would love. What if you could make 40,000 a year, better financial decisions, love every aspect of your job instead of two or three things, wake up every morning excited to do your job? Yeah. Would you sacrifice that $10,000 to do it? Because that's where the million dollar idea comes from. Yeah. Even as an employee, like I, it, it's mirrored to that too. So, um, I literally just had like my, uh, my employee literally just told me yesterday that people should be willing to take a $10,000 pay cut as word for word to work here. And I'm like, here, he's like, have you worked another job? And I'm like, actually, no. <laughs> right. So I'm like, does it suck that bad? He's and, and I've, you kind of lose perspective, but like we have a riot here. Like it's two of us right now. We're looking at hiring a couple more people over the next couple of months mm -hmm. and to, have like a positive work environment and everywhere that I've worked, we've had, you know, a haunted house business, my last marketing company. I like to think yeah. everybody has really enjoyed doing what they, what they do and, and working together. And when you understand that people are willing to take uh, a pay cut to work somewhere positive, you really start to understand that that it's, it's powerful for two things because one, it should, it should motivate employers to understand that it's not the ping pong table and the snacks and the dumb stuff that these big places like Facebook and whatever have. It's the 
it's it's one it's working towards a similar goal like it's about being a part of something bigger than yourself you feel like you're coming in and you're actually making a difference for the company and when you're small that's easier to feel because you know like you're picking up all the slack you're 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 kicking butt and you're making an impact that's actually resulting in the company growing it can also be about being you know if the company has a as a much better um a bigger um what kind of worldwide vision, like, you know, Facebook wants to change the world and connect everybody. So like, you want to be a part of that. Um, but on like a small scale, like with what we do, like just being good to your employees and providing a good place for them to work. So many people want to start a business, not because they want to start a business, but because they just don't want to work at a job. Right. And they think that working at a job has to suck. Like come work for me for six months. It doesn't suck. Like, Welcome to how I started what I did. Yeah. I'm sure working for you would not suck. Like <laughs> I, I hope it doesn't. I'll ask Clan Jane. Yeah. Airlines, military, contracting. I enjoyed what I was doing, but I didn't love the job. The work was great. Mm-hmm. I was gone all the time. Like I traveled the world. It was awesome, but I didn't see anything. I've seen more since in the past four years almost than I've seen in the previous 15. Nice. Because I finally started going places and enjoying things and doing things I enjoyed while I was there versus going there for work. And what people are finding is money buys happiness up to a point. Yeah. Once you hit that point, there's no more happiness derived from owning money. And typically it actually has the adverse effect. Um, but people are realizing quality of life. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can work from home a day a week. I can have a flexible schedule. I can call in sick and not worried about getting yelled at the next day. I, you know, get to do work I enjoy and I'm passionate about for the most part. Yeah, I got to deal with a little bit of the crap, you know, but still, you know, for me, I don't love doing paperwork. I still get to do tons of it, but all the pros outweigh the cons. And I would absolutely take a sacrifice to do that any day of the week. Yeah. Because when you're passionate, when you enjoy what you're doing, when you love your workspace, when you love where you go, you want to be there. Mm-hmm. It's almost, almost like the money doesn't matter. The money's the icing on the cake. Like, you know, you get people that say, <laughs> they pay me to do this. Like, yeah. I can't believe they pay me to do my dream job. Mm-hmm. And that's 10 times more powerful than that million dollar salary. But when you have people that are passionate about what they do, when you have people loving what they do, that grows mm-hmm. to that million dollar salary or mm-hmm. whatever the number is. Yeah. Well, and it's 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 funny. I've, there's been a couple of people too that have been like wanting to apply or, or work. And I've always seen them as entrepreneurs. And they've realized what you were just saying uh, a couple couple uh, minutes ago, and that was they're realizing like maybe I'm good at business, but it's not what I'm passionate about. It's not what I want to do, and I'm willing to take a pay cut to not have to deal with you know communicating with clients and sales and growing the business and and all that. And all I want to do is you know web development. All I want to do is just code all day. All I want to do is just design or make videos and and graphics all day. All I want to do is just write like whatever their passion is. It's actually a really interesting time because I don't know if 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 I'm just seeing it, but I'm seeing a lot of people be open to the idea of just focusing on their passion even though I think they could like make way more money as a freelance person. Like yeah, I just don't want to deal with it. I just want to come in and do what I'm passionate about. I don't want to have to, you know, deal with the client uh, drama or whatever you want to call it. They just want to 
create, you know, it's interesting. And it's back to that idea of as a business owner, you're doing it all. Mm -hmm. How much per hour are you making? How much are you working? What are you doing? Yeah. Where then, okay, we step back and we go, all I'm going to do is the one thing I'm super passionate about. Yeah. And I'll take a pay cut because I'm actually making more per hour now. Because before I was working a 40 hour week on my passion and a 20 hour week on all the things to run the business. Now it's a 40 hour week on my passion and my passion alone. Yeah. Someone else is doing all the stuff I don't like. Yeah. You know, I see that as super rewarding. Yeah, that's super cool. I think you gotta like almost be willing to make like at some stage in your business, like you're you're okay with, usually early on, you're okay with like an employee maybe making more than you. Like, okay, I've got to hire someone and I'm growing a business. Like you can, you don't want that to be the case, but like mentally you want to be okay with it. Be like, it's not about the money because I'm growing something here. And like you're focused on the long-term vision, the why, all of that, and give them what's important to them, which is money normally, yeah. and give them like the respect and the freedom to create whatever it is that th that's important to them. But money doesn't motivate every employee. Mm -hmm. And so you run into that as well, where you can give an employee, like you said, like you can give an employee a pay cut and they'll work way harder at another place because the environment's better. But sorry, but no, no, I was going to say, like, I find it fascinating what you said, like employees should never make more than the owner maybe, or like, that's not the ideal situation, mm -hmm. but I actually looked at it in a different light. Hmm. What if I paid someone to do what I did and I made less money? and I worked less, and my life was easier. Oh, 100%. But I still made enough, like, cool. Yeah. Like, I'm on board with that. Like, I, you, you, I never thought about that, but I'm like, wow, if I could pay someone to do everything I do, right? and they all made more money than me, but I only had to do things I love, mm -hmm. like, that's exactly what we're talking about, people leaving their jobs for, and me as a business owner, if I can get to that point, like, awesome. Yeah. You know? And I think like what you were also saying is like money does motivate some people. It's rare those people are as happy as those motivated by their passions, their wants, their desires, their goals, their hopes, their dreams, their visions. Yeah. You know, because like I said, and there's a book, uh, Money Buys Happiness. It's like up to like $76,000. Yeah, they literally figured it out. Right. I found like <laughs> some study. It went up. Like there was a, a new yeah. study. It was like, yep. it was more like a hundred, but I'm like... Yeah, that honestly, like in my life, I'm like, yeah, that's uh, that's about cool. right. Like, what more do you get? Like, and we're in Ohio, more like, dumb shit. Like, you don't need it, right? Like, like, oh, hey, I need another HDR camera. Yeah, why not? But sounds good, right? And we're both like, hmm, another 4K TV that shows a random city all the time. Love it, but same screen. <laughs> what do I need? Like, what am I doing? Like. And so I think it's fascinating because like the other thing you've got to take into account is like we live in Ohio. Yeah. Like people don't realize how inexpensive stuff is here. My oh, parents are on the East Coast. I have clients in California. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I talk to people about finances on both coasts and I'm like, oh yeah. So, you know, you're making 200,000 a year and they're like, yeah, we're struggling. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I live in San Francisco and my rent, you know, $4,000 yeah. a month. And I'm like, got it yeah it's crazy you know and that's why the tech jobs out there they offer them so much and you really got to take a second and be like okay like maybe they're offering me a hundred thousand and some you know stock options 
like I'm, you're literally like living in a, in a, like apartment with a bunch of your friends at yeah. that price. Like you're, you're getting by and you're making your money if the company does well off stock options, but it's crazy. Like it's just different here. Well, and sometimes you got to put your time in, you know, I always laugh, uh, prior, prior careers working a lot with pilots, you know, mm. uh, a lot of people don't know about the lifestyle of a regional pilot. They have crash pads where they pay for a room and a bed they share with someone else. And there's like eight people paying for this place. And they go there, they sleep the night, they fly 12, 13 hour days. They do it for a week. They're off for five days, whatever, Jesus. back and forth. And it's miserable. And because you have to build up, you go, you know, and you, I'm not saying everyone does, but you go from your regionals to now you're on, you know, your bigger airplanes, you know, in the US still, your domestic flights. And then you finally hit the internationals where, you know, Okay, you fly Chicago to Shanghai three times a month. You That's know? it. But yeah, but I mean, think about it. That's a 15-hour flight or whatever it is. Yeah. You're going back and forth. So 15 hours to get there, that's over a day of work. Then you have a day of rest there, day back. I yeah. mean, so, I mean, you're three, looking at working three, four 10 days. days just for those three. Um, but it takes a long time to get there. And I think that's the other thing about entrepreneurs we're living in a world where it's quickly becoming reality that immediate gratification's not actually a thing for everybody. Yeah. You know, you said, Oh, I want my million dollar company. How many million dollar companies were million dollar companies when they started? How many wow. companies started as hundred dollar companies, thousand dollar companies built ideas. They took off. They all started to zero. Right. Yeah. They all started to zero. And, and the fact that that's why I, I like when people, are more patient with it and they want to like, I'm the least patient person I know. Like I'm <laughs> terrible about with it. So like I, I work on it, but like that lack of patience, you know, is kind of honed in with some, some realism. I, I get it. But like people that want to take that jump and they're like, okay, like I quit my job and everybody like cheers. And I'm like, whoo, like that is the easy part. That's right. not the hard part, you know? Like, the work starts today. Yeah. Now that this is your only job because you generate your paycheck. No one else does it for you. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's. I don't know. That that to me has been like this big thing I've been trying to formulate like a whole thought around because when I, so many of my friends, I'm super proud of them for like going after their, their they want to start a business or have a, they have a vision to do something else. But I'm like, you took the jump, but then it was like, no plan yet or that it, it was all in your head and that's like if it works out like i want it to work out for everybody right. you don't want anything bad but it's like could could you have not have worked a nine hour ten hour day even ten hours which is right. a long ass day for for people that are mm -hmm. you know for people that have to go home and take care of their kids and everything and then for three hours at night you or two hours or, or an weekends. hour whenever work on that mm -hmm. for like three years yeah well, and, and like my example, I started this job not making any money. Okay. I'm going to also work a second job. So I was working eight hours at night, eight hours during the day. I was killing myself, but I was surviving. But what it let me do is it let me wean off that full-time work. It let me lean off that contracting work so I could do this more, be more passionate. And that's a lot of the work I do with business owners is I say, okay, where do you have to get with your side job to make it a reality? Yep. Here's that number. What's it going to take? Oh, you only have to close four contracts a month. 
And they're like, oh my gosh, that's a joke. Yeah. So great. Let's start closing four contracts a month while you're employed. Let's build a safety net up because now that you're your own cash register, you don't have sick time. You don't have vacation time. So let's actually build up a safety net. So if you don't close those four contracts, if something happens, you're not immediately struggling, don't have any money, running home to mom and dad or wherever you can go. And you can actually focus on your job and your vision and not focus on finances every day and build yourself to say, okay, little bit of side work. Oh my gosh, I'm ready. I'm set up. I've got success. I'm stepping out. But when I step out, I've worked a little harder, but now's number one hardest day because this is all I have. So those four contracts, you're not stressing because you've got six months of bills. You've got three yeah. months of bills. You're paying your four months. You're getting your contracts. There's no pressure except for, oh my gosh, now I can do five, six, seven. And then it takes off from there because you put in the work on the front end. It's all hard work. Super practical advice. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for that. Um, that's, I feel like there was a lot of like top level advice, but also like you dove in with tons of super practical, realistic advice for people. And I think the biggest thing is, you know, when you're talking about advice, when you're looking at things like individual people require individualized advice. Sure. Cookie cutters are great for the big picture. Mm -hmm. But when we get down to the surface, you've got to talk to someone. You've got to lay your specifics on the line, put your information out there because all cookies aren't made the same. It's got to work only for you or, it, you know, right. it's got to work for you. The, so. the general concepts really don't change that much. Right. Like the generalized advice I give most people before they even get there is all the same. Yep. And then when it's, when we're talking, when people talk about like a marketing plan, I'm like, right. this is the general concept. Yep. The, the general concept is you create content and we run dollars behind it. They're like, yeah, but I have, I'm like, no, 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 that first. Yeah. And then it's like, well, I do this. Okay. And then the, that means the content's going to look like this, Yep. but you're still going to just pay us for this many hours to create the content and this many hours to run ads behind it. It's really doesn't change, but well, tell, Thanks for having me. yeah, tell people here, uh, any last words of advice and then also, uh, where they can find you on, on the internet. So last words of advice are get advice. Don't loan wolf it. Don't do it yourself. Get advice, get support Ask somebody usually paying for that support is going to be less expensive than trying to do it by yourself. Um, you can find me, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Jonathan Grolo. You can find me. There's also a Thrivent page on there. If you want to follow financial stuff, you can find me on the World Wide web, uh, thrivent.com forward slash connect Jonathan Grolo. You can also Google it. Uh, last name's G R O L E A U. You can always call the office five, six, seven, seven, one, four, one. Be happy to talk to people see how I can support you, you know, sometimes just connect and have conversations. I love talking with people, learning new things. It's my job. Yeah. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. And, uh, thanks for, uh, listening everybody. Time.